As soon as the software is released, you can find episodes on YouTube or somewhere on the internet of somebody who has stayed up way too late at night to figure out how to hack the software. The software is designed to do this or do that, but if you hit these keys in this order, then it will open up an entirely new experience with the software called hacking. And of course, once the word hacking got into our vocabulary, now anytime anybody has a, a shortcut of any kind, then we have hacked the process. Uh, you can hack the drive home if you figure out a faster way to get there. Uh, you can hack the restaurant order if you figure out a faster way to get your order to you. We call them life hacks. Those little tricks we learn about how we live that make things a little easier. So if you're paying attention, reading anything, there's bound to be an article in there somewhere about somebody who has hacked some process to make it go easier, to make it go faster. Yep, there are even people who try to hack God. To try to find some faster way to get what you want out of God, to find some easier way to be in relationship with God. Oh, it's not a new thing. It's a very old thing. In fact, Paul refers to it in 2 Timothy. I know you're at home, I know you may be with friends, but still, it's God's word. So I really would wish you would join us as standing as we read this passage together. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their ways into household and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and James resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. These are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith. They will not make further progress. Their foolishness will be clear to all, just as it was in the foolishness of Jonas and Jambres. Always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Lord Jesus, as we again hear Paul's letter to Timothy, which could have been written today, about how we need to pay attention to the teachers that we have and pay attention to the results of their lives and of their teaching, we pray that you would, our rabbi, our teacher, teach us to know and love the truth 
that you are. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I get all kind of emails and, and conversations going about, well, are we in the last days? Surely with everything that's going on, with COVID, with the economy, uh, with the way the internet and the social media is working, with the way that the uh, election are, is going, with Russian, Russia doing this and China doing that, can't you see, Mike, we have to be in the last days? Well, Paul tells Timothy, they're in the last days. Understand, the last days started when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. When God shouted to the world, death is no longer in charge. I have defeated death. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has now started a new clock, a new time. And we've been in the last days ever since that first Easter. Soon Christ will return and finish what he has started. But don't be fooled. That clock has been ticking since that first Easter Sunday morning. But Paul does warn Timothy, listen, it will get worse before it gets better. People will begin to panic and they'll become lovers of self. And my, what a laundry list of sins. Did he leave anything out? And you can see him getting all worked up and all lathered up and just listing one after another. These are the kind of people that you will run into. But the only thing that matters is that first one. The rest are just descriptors of that first one. They are lovers of self. And in the last days when things start falling apart, when the old tricks don't work, then people begin to panic. You know, we saw just a little bit of this when we were all told to go home. We were told to self-quarantine. And all of a sudden, our comfortable lives became disturbed. All of a sudden, we didn't have a supply chain to make sure that we had things like toilet paper and alcohol wipes and disinfectants. And all of a sudden, people were fighting. I mean, knock down, drag them out brawls in the aisles of Walmart trying to make sure that they got a 12-pack of toilet paper. Now, you think about that. That's how panic these people were because their life had been disrupted. They didn't see who was in control. They didn't see how it was going to work out. And they panicked. And when they panicked, they began to snatch and grab hold of. They began to hoard. And so you, you saw stories of people with garages full of disinfectant or stacks and stacks of paper towel and toilet paper in their homes, afraid, scared to death, they're going to run out. And that's just with toilet paper. Oh, it gets worse when you start thinking about self-esteem and identity. What happens if who I think I am is now challenged, is now broken because of the way the world has turned out? 
I am who I am because I do this. Now, the government says, you can't do that anymore. The pandemic says, you have to stay home. Your job, get this, is non-essential. You can stay home. You're non-essential. So what happens when my identity gets challenged like that? When my worth as a person is wounded like that, I grab, I get what's mine. And if you happen to have what's mine, then that's just tough for you. So I will become brutal. I will become mean. I will take what I need to make sure me and my tribe are okay. And if that hurts your tribe, well, listen, that's just the law of the jungle. Only the strong survive. And that's the world that we get into. And it all happens because we don't trust. We don't trust that Jesus can do what he says he can do. We don't trust that Jesus will do what he says he will do. So instead of waiting on Jesus, we try to force his hand. We try to make Jesus work on our time, not his time, in our way, not his way. The two guys, Jonas and Jambres, that Paul lists, you know who they are? Nobody knows who they are. <laughs> Let me tell you where the story comes from. In Exodus chapter 7, Moses goes before Pharaoh and tells Pharaoh, God has said, let my people go. Pharaoh says, I didn't hear anything from God, and I'm not going to let the people go. So Moses throws down his staff. Remember the story? The magicians of Pharaoh come out and throw down their staffs. They turn into serpents, just like Moses' staff did. But Moses' serpent eats the other serpents. Now, we're not told the names of those magicians who oppose Moses. The rabbis, when they started retelling the story, gave names to these magicians, Jonas and Jambres. So they would tell the story about these two guys it became part of the Jewish folklore. It became part of the Christian story as we retold the stories we had heard the rabbis tell. That's where the names come from. They're, not, they're made up. They're not actually in the Bible. But they started to stand for anything or anybody who tries to oppose God, trick God, or hack God. When you read scriptures and you see the strong prohibitions against magic, we wonder what the big deal is, right? For us, a magician is an entertainer. Uh, we go to a local theater and we love watching the guys pull uh, coins out of children's ears or making a, an assistant disappear or an elephant disappear. It is a wonderful time of entertainment. That's not what the Bible is talking about. You see, it was a spiritual world that the Bible was written in. Uh, 
uh, trees had spirits, rocks had spirits, uh, bodies of water had spirits, the ocean had a spirit. And if you were a powerful magician, then you could control these spirits. And if you were a really, really powerful magician, you could control God. Do you remember when Moses asked God, who shall I say sent me? God told Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses says, who will I say sent me? Do you know what Moses wanted? Moses wanted God's cell number. Okay, if I get over there in front of Pharaoh, Moses is thinking, and I get jammed up, I want the direct line to God. I want to be able to dial this number, and I want God to pick up on the other end, and, get, and he will get me out of the jam I'm in. All of us wish we had that number. Do you remember what God told him? I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I was who I was. What in the world does that mean? It is the verb to be. God is telling Moses, I am the essence of being. Beyond anything you can comprehend, beyond anything you can control. I go when I go, I leave when I leave, and I will not be summoned by a second-rate shepherd. Now, like you, there are people in the Bible, like me, there are people in the Bible who want some kind of inside line with God. If I pray this way, if I use this phrase or that, or that phrase or use the name of Jesus in just the right way, then God will have to answer my prayer. If I do this kind of good work, if I offer this kind of sacrifice, then God will have to. Careful. Careful. See, you want to hack God. We want to hack God. We want, to, we want God to do things our way, not his way, in our time, not his time. That's the sin of Janus and Jambres. They wanted to hack God. It's the same sin that Eve committed. All the serpents said, you won't die. In fact, you will be just like God if you eat the fruit that God told you not to eat. Listen, being like God was not the sin. Wanting to be like God is not the sin. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus tells his followers, be like me. It was being unwilling to follow God's way to be like him. You see, we wanted a shortcut to godliness. We wanted an inside track for holiness. We just didn't want to do the hard work. We didn't want to do to the discipline of discipleship. You see, we want the resurrection without the cross. 
We want Easter without Good Friday. We want to be like Jesus without scars. And so when times get hard, when the road gets rough, when it looks like our world is totally and completely out of control, we panic. And when we panic, we try to control God rather than trust him. Do you remember the time that the disciples tried to go against go against the storm in the Sea of Galilee. They got out about halfway across the sea and a storm hit and it was capsizing their little boat and in their panic, they began to call out to Jesus only to realize he was asleep. They woke him up and asked him the funniest question. Get up, get up, Jesus. Don't you care that we're going to die? Wake up, Jesus. We're all about to die. I thought you might want to see it. Remember what Jesus said? Where's your faith? Then he told the sea and the winds to be still. I know. This is a crazy, crazy time. And there's a temptation to panic to try to manipulate God, to try to force God to do things your way on your time, my way on my time. And the question comes back, where's your faith? Do you really trust Jesus to do what he said he would do do you really trust that Jesus will do what he said he will do? The cure of this anxiety, of this panic, is being so close to Jesus, you trust his heart, even when he seems to be silent. Paul warned Timothy, don't try to hack God. Understand God's ways. Understand God's time. And trust him. Probably a pretty good word for us, huh? In this day of COVID and all of the other uncertainty. Trust God's time. Trust God's way. Trust him. Let's pray together. We didn't think, Lord Jesus, that the question was that simple. But it is. Who is it that we trust to get us through this craziness, this confusion, this chaos? Do we trust our own resources, our own skills, our own talent? Do we trust our, our, our fortunes? Do we trust our organizations, our friends, our institutions. Who do we trust to get us through?
Well, there may have been distractions and there may have been temptations to trust other things, but in this moment of worship right here, right now, all of us, we want to say we trust you, your time, and your way. And we pray this in your name. Amen. We want to thank you for being part of our online worship service. We're glad you've joined us. We'd love to be in contact with you in whatever way you would let us be. If you want to know more about Brentwood Baptist Church, text CONNECT to 623-623. If you want to know about how to get connected to a group or be part of whatever Brentwood Baptist Church is doing in the area of missions or ministries, text CONNECT to 623-623. If you're at home and you're thinking right now, I'm not sure I trust Jesus the way I should, let us know. Text CONNECT to 623-623, and we'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next time.